Today, we're going to return to our series in the book of Colossians called Against the Tide or Living for Christ in a Non-Christian World. Uh, this will be the last sermon I'm going to do in, in this series for a while. There's a lot left in the book of Colossians, and we'll get back to it maybe sometime in the future. But next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we want to focus on the resurrection. Then we're going to go into some other things. Among those other things, by the way, is that... Uh, uh, on a Sunday evening, hopefully within the month, is depending on when the movie ships, we're going to see the movie Is Genesis History. One of the things we're going to be focusing on is the evidence for uh, the things that Scripture tells us, the evidence for God, the evidence for the Bible, the evidence for Jesus, all those kinds uh, of things. We who are Christians and followers of Christ follow Him by faith. But our faith is not without uh, a, a basis. And so those are some of the things that we're going to be looking at, including next Sunday. Of course, today uh, is uh, Palm Sunday. We think about Christ's triumphal entry uh, into the city of Jerusalem. Uh, and to, and it not, we're not going to be talking about that, but it does help focus our minds on the special week that is following. We've been looking for the last few weeks at Paul's inspired letter to uh, a, a, a church in the city called Colossae. The book is called Colossians. Paul wrote the letter probably in around 60 AD, so it's been almost 2,000 years ago. This letter has been preserved for us so that we can learn what God has to say. Paul is speaking to people like us who lived in a predominantly non-Christian society, talking to them about how to stand against the, the tide of society's prevailing attitudes and yet still capture a life that pleases God. Now, to start with, this morning I have a very serious question I want to ask you. I want you to think about this. Have you ever accepted one of those offers for three rooms of carpet clean for free? You know what I'm talking about now? You, may, you probably don't have carpet anymore. Uh, everybody just has hardwood or tile or whatever. But you ever, you ever have somebody come by and say, three rooms of carpet clean for free? If you ever took one of those offers, uh, did your house not quite work out? You know, there were other conditions uh, that were involved. Your rooms were larger than average, and certainly you'd want to add this, this, and something else, or the, the three rooms of carpet wouldn't be worthwhile. Have you ever gone to buy a car expecting it to be the price that was advertised? Or when you got there, did you find there was a lot of add-ons, a lot of th extra things, you know, that, that you had to, uh, had to do? I mean, you certainly would, you, yeah, you could buy this if you really wanted to, but who would want that? You know, you need this, 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 and this. I know some folks very close to me uh, who went to one of those mall stores, you know, where they, uh, they sell uh, uh, mattresses individually customized for each person. You can just push a button, you know, and, and you and your partner, and you, you could be comfortable, and she could be comfortable at the same time, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think you could probably buy one for less than $1,000. But if you wanted one that, that, uh, that you'd really want to sleep on, that's about $2,000. You wouldn't even want to put yourself through the seven, eight, nine hundred dollars uh, one. But uh, if you really care about getting a good night's sleep, you could spend up to $10,000. Uh, for one of these special beds. It just depended on, is your health important to you or not? Is a good night's rest uh, important to you? Uh, wouldn't you like to wake up in the morning feeling refreshed and happy? You could do that for only $10,000. Well, unfortunately, you know, that's, that's how a lot of people see the Christian life. Becoming a Christian 
seems so easy. You know, it seems like the easiest thing in the world. All you have to do is, is, is trust in Jesus. All you have to do is ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart and to save you, and everything's great. But when you begin to make the effort to live the Christian life, all of a sudden it seems like there's these hidden costs, right? You have to give up your Sunday mornings, and for some people, Sunday evenings even, and maybe like a house group uh, during the week, and and you have to read your Bible every day and pray every day. And you have to stop sinning and start doing good works. And depending on what denomination you happen to get hooked up with, you also have to give up some stuff like movies or TV or caffeine or beef on Fridays or any, you know, you just almost anything you might have to give up. And it makes you think, wow. Is that what following Jesus is really all about? <laughs> you know, it's like kind of you get sucked in like a sales pitch and then all of a sudden you have to do all this stuff. Is that what Christianity is all about? No wonder many Christians find themselves thinking, I can't do this. I, I got to live. This is impossible. You can't live this kind of life. Do all this stuff. I don't have time for it and I can't give up all this stuff. And uh, they, they try to be obedient and they try to keep all the rules but it seems like the more rules you keep the more rules there are and still I mean you know, they roll up their sleeves and give it the old college try and maybe succeed for a week or two weeks or a month or two months or a year or something like that and then you I, I see people all the time kind of bottom out give in to temptation get too busy to read the Bible get too di disillusioned to pray all the time and, and the old sin creeps back into your life you know that stuff that you used to give into the old sins creeps back into your life and and people become over they get overcome by discouragement flail around miserably for a while and feel guilty about themselves because they feel like they're not doing the right kind of thing and and then get re-energized again later you know and start doing the right thing again i say wow is that really what living for Jesus is supposed to be all about? Have you ever experienced any of that kind of stuff that I just mentioned? I bet you could say, yeah, yeah, I have felt exactly that way from time to time. Is that really what following Jesus is, is supposed to be all about? Well, I think the book of Colossians teaches a, a completely different approach to Jesus. One that if we'll apply it to our lives, that's the whole thing is doing it, apply it to our lives, uh, will revolution, revolutionize our walk with Jesus. Now, let me just say up front that when you trust Jesus as your Savior, when you become a Christian, when you become a follower of God through Jesus Christ, God's expectations are incredibly high. All right? he, uh, it, it, he doesn't just expect good. He expects perfect, like Jesus perfect. You know, so that's pretty high. Uh, so we need to go into that with this idea. In Romans 8, 29, Paul wrote that God has predetermined that those of us who trust in Jesus will be conformed to the image of his son. That is, that we will be like Jesus. However, that's not something we have to do on our own. It's not something we have to grit our teeth and say, I don't know how, I'm just going to do it today. It's a lifelong process that is accomplished by the power of God. It doesn't culminate until we're with him one day. So today, we're going to look a little bit more closely at how this happens. My subject is, in, is just in a question, which is this. 
Why is my Christian walk so unstable? Why am I up one day and down the next day? Why does it, and it seem like I can do some good things one day and it's just kind of, you know, uh, down the toilet the next day? Well, in Colossians, as we've studied in the book of Colossians, Paul has been stressing some things like how good God, how good God is, how great Jesus is, the supremacy of Jesus. He is the Savior of all who trust in him. He died for everybody. He's the creator and the sustainer of the universe. He is the very God of the universe. He is all we will ever see of God. He is the center of the good news. He's the center of the mystery that God is revealing to us uh, in the New Testament. So uh, Paul has talked about all this stuff and we've studied it, uh, how, how great Jesus is. And today, as we look at Colossians 2 verses 6 and 7, our thought is going to be this. Since Jesus is so great, why am I trying to live in my own power? If Jesus is so great, why, am I, why do I feel like it all depends on me? Uh, why, am I get, why do I get so down in the dumps on myself? So Colossians chapter 2, just two verses today. Verse 6 begins like this. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The same way you got saved, live your Christian life. Now, oftentimes I like to read something in more than one translation, and it kind of gives you a better idea. In the New Living Translation, it reads like this. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Just, you know, you, you, you receive Christ one way, just don't try to do something else. Don't make being saved all about Jesus and then stay in that way all about you. And, and it's interesting here, by the way, that I think that the, that, uh, the apostle uses Christ, Jesus, and Lord. Three, the, the three big words that are applied to Jesus, right? He is Christ, remember that. He is God's anointed, the Messiah who was sent to the world for you. He is Jesus, Yehoshua in, the, in, in, in Hebrew, in the Old Testament. He is God who saves, Yahweh who saves, who came to the earth to do that. He is Lord, boss. You know, he's the boss man. He's the one that runs the show. He's the one that guides your life. Uh, we, we throw that word Lord around quite a bit, but means he is the boss. So, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. The Living Bible is actually a paraphrasing, but it reads like this. And now just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in a vital union with him. It's all about relationship with Christ. Paul is saying you live the Christian life the same way you entered the Christian life. You follow Jesus in the same way that you came to Jesus. When the Colossians were initially saved, that is when they initially trusted Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord, they received him as the very God of the universe who died to save them and who was able to preserve them. And Paul says, keep that in mind. Just get closer to Jesus. Just 
Let him be with you and let him live his life through you instead of making it all about you. That's what we do a lot of times. We make life all about me and all about my weaknesses or my abilities and all about how hard, this is really hard it is and, and all about what I can do and what I can't do and all about my problems and all about the way people treat me and how tough my job is and how bad people are to me on my job. And instead of making life all about that, then make it about Jesus and who he is and what he can do and, and and make that the reason that I exist on this planet. Day by day, surrender your life to Christ. Day by day, open your heart to him. Day by day, trust him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in that category. And then Paul tells us how to do that. Verse seven, he says this, rooted and built up in him that is in Christ and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. It all comes down to this statement right here. We're saved by faith and we live by faith. What we try to do a lot of times, we get saved by faith and then we live by works. We get saved by faith and then it's all on me. <laughs> it's all on me and I just got to get it done. But we are saved by faith and we live by faith. If your Christian life, like mine, sometimes resembles a roller coaster, ride, then I think today's text will be helpful. Paul uses four pivotal phrases that we're going to look at that are crucial to living the Christian life. So let's just look at those uh, for, for the next few minutes. First of all, uh, the apostle says this, to live consistently in Christ. Every day to, to, uh, to do a better job than I did the day before, I must be rooted in him. Now we know what, what roots are, you know, plants have roots, right? And the roots go down uh, into the ground and, and roots sustain the plant and roots help make the plant what it is. And, and if you know anything about watering plants, of course, you don't want to overwater or underwater plants, but you don't want to just put a little water on top where the roots stay up. You want to give a plant a deep watering every once in a while so that the roots go down deep into the ground and it keeps them healthier. Well, the apostle, that's the first thing the apostle said in chapter 2 and verse 7. He said that we should be rooted and built up in Jesus. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. What does it mean to be rooted in Christ? Well, root has to do with origin and influence. When a person has their roots in a certain community, that person comes from that place. They're influenced by that place. They're their, their thoughts and their feelings go back to that kind of place. We, think, we say things like, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't what? Take the country out of the boy. Yeah, we're talking about roots there, aren't we? You remember the 60s sitcom, sitcom The Beverly Hillbillies? Now, I know a lot of you weren't alive in the 60s, but this thing shows over and over again. It's so stupid, I can't even watch it anymore. It was really, really popular uh, in the 60s. But it's not the kind of thing that, that I enjoy watching. But basically, the storyline was Jed Clampett. I think they were from Tennessee. I'm not sure. It might have been West Virginia. Uh, struck oil on his mountain property. Became a multi-millionaire. Like $25 million. That was, uh, that would be a fantastic amount of money to me right now. But uh, wouldn't be a drop in the bucket in today's world. But, but, and he moved to Beverly Hills, that is, California. Uh, lived in a mansion along with Granny and Jethro and Ellie Mae. But they, and they moved into this high society, but they were never able to abandon their simple mountain life. 
Wikipedia comments, they bring a moral, unsophisticated, and minimalistic lifestyle to the swanky, sometimes self-obsessed and superficial community. Their roots continue to affect every aspect of their life. Uh, it affected the way they treated strangers. You know, they, they welcomed everybody in. It affected the kind of food that they wanted, wanted to eat. Granny was always trying to cook possum or something of that nature. It affected their attitude towards money uh, and possessions. Their roots are what gave them a sense of stability, like, like what holds a plant in the ground and keeps it upright and sustains it. The roots are what did that. In a similar way, we create stability in our lives by placing our roots firmly in Jesus Christ. It all starts with the origin uh, which is salvation, which is when we trust Jesus as our Savior, when we're born again into God's family. But our, our roots determine our values and our priorities. Therefore, think about this statement. To be rooted in Christ means that we allow him to determine our values and our priorities. As long as our roots are in ourselves or in the world or in our quest for success, we're doomed to failure. We can try to do good things, and we can try to quit bad habits, and we can try to establish good habits, and we can try to live a disciplined, consistent life, but, but we just, we do it for a while and then we fail. We do it for a while and then we fail. We try it again and then we fail. But if you want to establish stability in your walk with Jesus, you have to learn to live in Christ, not just for Christ. We're always trying to do something for Jesus or uh, this is what I think would be the right thing to do. And so I'm going to try to force myself to do that. But what we need to do is be building up our relationship in Jesus Christ. Well, how do I do that? How can I become rooted in Christ? I'm not a plant. So how do I become rooted in Christ? How do I allow him to determine my values and my priorities so that it just sort of becomes second nature to me uh, to do the right thing? Of course, it all starts with when I trust Jesus as the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. And then, and then I just put it into practice every day trying to get closer to him. Every time I acknowledge that Jesus is my only hope of salvation, my roots grow down just a little bit deeper. Every time I open the Bible and allow God to speak to me through his words, my roots go down a little bit deeper. Had to have roots to start with by trusting Jesus. Every time I yield myself to completely to him, every time I say, I, I, I can't do this on my own, but whatever you want, that's what I want, the roots grow down a little bit deeper. Every time I, I let God's word shape the way I think, the roots go down a little bit deeper. It all comes to this. You become rooted in Christ by surrendering yourself in faith to him day by day, uh, putting it into practice. The more you surrender, the deeper the roots grow. It's an hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year process. You're saved by faith. You live by faith. Putting our faith in Christ one day at a time helps those roots to grow deeper and deeper and deeper. You can't just every once in a while run back to Jesus. Every day, put it into practice. Every day you fall by the wayside. Every day you put, continue to put it in practice. But to live consistently in Christ, number one, I must be rooted in him. Number two, uh, I must be built up in him. First, you're rooted like a tree, and then you're built like a building. Colossians 2, read those verses again. Verse 6, 
as, in the same way, you have therefore received Christ, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, so continue to live your life in Him, verse 7, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. God is working on you. You are a work in progress, like a building being built. Sometimes you watch a building coming up and you think, there's nothing going on over there. That's because it's all hidden. It's all underground. It's all that important stuff that's going to sustain the rest of it. On one occasion, Jesus likened a person who hears what he says and does what he says to a wise person that builds his house on a rock. Uh, you remember that story? Jesus said, and the rains came and the storm came and beat against the house, but it stood firm because its foundation was in the right place, because it was built up on Christ. This phrase where he says, rooted and built up in him, is a present tense, and it means it's in the process of happening. It's an ongoing thing. You never get quite get there in this life. You may expect to be uh, perfect right away. You know, hey, I, I'm a Christian. I'm following Jesus. I ought to do the right thing uh, all the time. Your spouse may expect you to be perfect right away. Everybody around you may expect you to live like Christ exactly every day. But the fact is this, you're not perfect. I know you're not, not because I know you, not because I know what's going on in your life, but because I know you're a human being. And if you expect perfection in yourself, if you want to quit every time you don't get it right, you're doomed to fail. But here's the good news. God isn't surprised by your imperfections. God knows that you're not going to be 100%. He realizes that becoming like Christ is a process, that it takes a while. And let me just read this statement to you. The fact that becoming like Christ is a process does not give us an excuse to sin. It gives us a reason to keep on trying. I think that's an important statement for this reason. Sometimes say, well, can't be perfect, so I like this sin over here. I'm just going to keep doing that one. I can't be perfect, so nobody's perfect, right? The fact that we can't be perfect is not an excuse. God still demands it. But what it is, it gives us a reason for trying again. Instead of quitting, God can't do anything with a quitter, right? Uh, God, uh, uh, God can help a failure, but he can't do anything with a quitter. Instead of just quitting, the fact that I, I'm not perfect and I'm not going to be perfect in this life is a reason for me to get up and try again. You're God's project right now. He's working in your life to make you more like Jesus. He wants you to succeed. He's behind you all the way. Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9. He says, for we are God's fellow workers you are God's field. You are God's building. God's putting roots down for you and God's building you up. God cares about you. God is working in your life. He's going to continue as long as it takes. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, and we spent some time in this verse several months ago, uh, it says this, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is not going to give up on you. Don't give up on yourself. Becoming more like Christ is not about living for Christ. It's about living in Christ. By living in Christ, I mean that our relationship uh, with him is built on our faith in his promise that he's going to build us up and he's going to make us more like him. It's not based on my successes and my failures. I can't quit because 
uh, I, I, I'm not as successful as I think I should be. And I can't get all puffed up and poke my finger at you and look down my nose at you because I feel like I'm doing a better job than you are. We're saved by faith. We live by faith. We're rooted in him. We're built up in him. And here's the third thing. To live consistently in Christ, I must be established in the faith. Back to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught. That word established means being stabilized and made firm uh, uh, in Christ by God acting on us and in us. If I want to have consistency and if I want to have stability in my daily walk, I must be established in the faith based on what I have been taught. The faith in this instance is it's not my faith that I exercise in Christ, but it's the teachings about Christ that I have been taught. The strength to live every day is found in God's teachings and in his word. It's not in me. It's in God. How about uh, <clears throat> something else from the past? You know who Popeye is, don't you? Popeye the sailor man? Now, you know that Popeye was not a really strong guy. In fact, in fact, Bluto down there, he could slap Popeye around all day long uh, and try to win the favor of the beautiful olive oil. That is until Popeye did what? Till he ate his spinach. And then he could fight to the finish because he ate his spinach. He was Popeye the sailor man. Popeye had no strength in himself. His strength came from spinach. Now, I know that's kind of silly, but the parallel is obvious. We have no strength in ourselves. The strength comes from Jesus Christ, and in this instance, through his word. We enter the Christian life by faith in Christ. And when we exercise that faith in Christ that God gives us, it opens the door of God's grace in our lives, and he cleanses us from our sins. He forgives us. He saves us. And then we continue to walk with Christ by growing in faith as we are established in faith through his word. So as we spend time in God's word, it opens the door of God's grace and strengthens us to live for him each day. So I say to you, spend some time in God's word every day. But if you were listening a while ago, I said people get discouraged and they quit because they can't do that. Uh, did I, is that what I meant? What I was meaning a while ago is that rule keeping without a relationship leads to frustration and failure. I can't just, I got to read the Bible, I got to read the Bible. I need to make my reading and my studying of Scripture about getting to know God. It's not just uh, five, four, three, two, one. I'll, I'll have my time put in here in just a minute. I'll have these certain number of verses read in just a minute. Instead of getting down on yourself when you fail to read your Bible, and everybody should, every, every, every Christian should read their Bible every day, but instead of getting down on yourself because you didn't spend as much time reading your Bible as you thought you should, renew your effort uh, knowing the Father loves you and is working in you and will grant you the grace to get better. So spend some time every day in God's Word and then after you read God's word, whether you understood what you read or not, pray to the Father and say, Father, I, I can't do this on my own. Only you can give me the strength to live today, and the strength will come through your word. God's word is not magical. Like I'm going to read a verse, and, you know, all of a sudden 
uh, it's like I ate my spinach and I'm super powerful. God's Word is not magical, but what God's Word does, it strengthens us as it, as it teaches us to depend on Him. So live consistently, to live consistently in Christ. Number one, I have to be rooted in Him. I have to be built up in Him. I have to be established in the faith. And one more thing, I have to be overflowing with thanks, thankfulness or overflowing in thankfulness. Again, I'm going to go back and read those two verses, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Verse 6 says, As you have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Continue to live in Him the way you received Him to start with, by faith. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, thankfulness, gratitude, always the key. It, 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 most all of us fail in the area of being thankful most of our lives. Paul continually stresses it uh, in his writings. When he wrote a letter to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, he said, rejoice always. And then in verse 17, he said, pray without ceasing, always be talking to God. And then in verse 18, he said, in everything, give thanks. Not for everything. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens in life. You can't be thankful for bad stuff. But in that situation, you can be thankful that God is with you. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Being thankful is one way we can know whether life is about, about ourselves or whether we're making it about Jesus. If all I can think about are my problems and what I want, then I'm making life about me. If I can be thankful to God for all the good stuff that I have, then I know I'm making life a little bit more about Him. So when we take in God's Word, we, we uh, get stronger in mind. And as we live out God's Word, as we apply God's Word to our lives, we gain assurance that God keeps His promises. And then that assurance enables us to walk and grow in Christ. And as we, you know, uh, so we're, we're taking in God's Word, we're living out God's Word, we're getting assurance of Christ, and that causes, thanks, that causes us to be thankful for stuff. All of a sudden, thanksgiving just flows out of us. And if we're to overflow with thankfulness, we just need to practice being thankful. Um, how do I do that? How do I practice being thankful? Well, first of all, every day I can be thankful for who Christ is and what he's already done. Think about that for a minute. We used to have, uh, we don't do it so much anymore, what we'd call testimonial service, you know, like on a Sunday night or Wednesday night or something. What are you thankful for? And different people would just stand up and say, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that. Inevitably, the first thing would, that people would say is, I'm thankful that Jesus died on the cross for me and that I'm going to heaven one day. And, and that is something he's already done for you. God has already done so much for us that uh, if he didn't do anything else, we could be thankful for the rest of our lives. If, we, if he didn't do anything else, we'd realize that he's done more for us than we deserve. But what else can you think of? When, can you count your blessings? Do you do that on a regular basis? Can, can you be thankful for the, the people who love you in this life? Can you be thankful for the stuff that you have rather than looking at somebody else's stuff that seems better? Can you be thankful for the stuff that you have? Then, and here's a real key, in addition to being thankful for, for what God has already done and for what we have and for the good things in our life, I think the key is to be thankful for what God has promised he's going to do for us in the future and just promise 
thank God for his promises regardless of that. You can be absolutely sure that Jesus is going to keep his promise and he's not going to give up on you. I might give up on you sometime because I'm a jerk sometimes. Your husband or your wife might give up on you. Your mom or your dad might give up on you. But you can be absolutely certain that God's never going to throw you out and give up on you. You can be absolutely certain that he will make you stronger every day that you trust in him. You can be absolutely certain that you don't have to stay the way you are unless you really like it that way. But if you want to get better, you can be absolutely certain that he will help you to get better. You can be absolutely certain that just like he's taken care of you in the past, he's going to take care of you in the future. You can be, just thank God for what he is going to do in the future. Thanking God for what he will do is an act of faith. And it means that you are trusting him to make you more like Jesus. It's part of this whole thing about living uh, in Christ rather than just living for Christ. So if you're losing battles day after day, if your life in Christ is sky high one day and, and as low as it can go the next day, it could be that you're placing your faith in the wrong person. If you place your faith in yourself, which is what a lot of us do. I've got to have enough faith. I've got to have enough faith. I've got to have, have you ever feel like that way? If I just had more faith, I'd be a better person. And that's not about you. It's about, it's about him and what he can do. So if your faith is in yourself and your own ability to do the right thing or even to have enough faith, you're not going to make it. You're going to be frustrated for your entire life. But if you want to establish stability in your life, you have to put your faith entirely in him that starts with salvation of course when you trust jesus as your savior i stress that over and over again if you there's never been a time in your life when you just went to god and and said you're right and i'm wrong and i'm a sinner and i can't make it on my own and i turned everything over to you uh, then that's where it all starts but then let him be the root of your existence uh centering your values and your priorities in him is an act of faith that builds your relationship. Trusting him to build you up is an act of faith, knowing that, well, God, I, I messed up again, uh, but I know you love me anyway. And, I, and I, I have no excuse, I'm not trying to make any excuse for this, but I know you love me anyway, and I know you're gonna stay with me. Relying on his strength is an act of faith. I can't do this. It's impossible for me to do this on my own, but you can do it. Thanking God in advance for finishing the work that he has started in you is an act of faith. And when you place your faith in him alone, he will not let you down. So last statement of the day is this, kind of where we started. Living the Christian life is not about living for Christ. It's not about doing a bunch of stuff. Although if you love him, you will do a bunch of stuff. But it's not about doing a bunch of stuff. It's about living in Christ. Living in Christ means that we surrender ourselves completely to him. We place our faith in him every day, just like the day we trusted him as savior, just like the day we were born into his family. We're saved by faith, we live by faith. And that's the key to establishing stability in life is just trusting him every day. Just getting up every day and talking to God 
and and acknowledging what your weaknesses are, thanking him in advance for everything he's going to do for you, and then going about your day, communicating with him and trusting in him and not saying, well, I'm pond scum. I'm the worst person there is on this planet because I messed up again today. Well, that might be true, but God loves you anyway. And God loves me anyway, and I'm thankful for that. Let's pray. Father, I know you're here with us, and I I thank you for being here. And I ask you to take these words that Paul spoke and use them in our lives. Help us to have the kind of relationship with you that that we need to have. Draw us closer to you. Strengthen us in you. Guide us in trusting you every day. Help us to live every day by faith and not live every day trusting in ourselves and our own strength. Give us your grace right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.